Takeover Me edition. So this weekend we're here to open ourselves up, to invite God to show us what an extreme makeover would look like on us. And this morning we want to see what it would look like for God to change our hearts, to renovate our heart from the inside out. The image we, we looked at is a sheep. A sheep is a person regarded as timid, weak, or submissive, or secondly, a one, per, one who is easily swayed or led. And that's the kind of sheep we want to become, one who is responsive to the voice of God, one who is easily led by Jesus Christ. And that's the extreme makeover we're inviting God to do in our lives. Now, reality television. How many of you watch reality TV? Okay, what kind of shows do you do you all watch? I want to hear. CSI. CSI? Is that reality TV? Does that count? No, no, sorry. It's a good show, though. Not to knock it. Okay, what do we watch over here? Princess? Apprentice, yes, I love Apprentice. Fear Factor, yeah, that's kind of reality TV, yeah. Mad TV, what not to wear. Real World Austin. I don't, I don't have cable, so I don't get the cable reality shows. Anybody watch some of these? Renovate My Family. Ambush Makeover. Extreme Makeover. Anybody watch Extreme Makeover this whole weekend? What do, what do you love about Extreme Makeover? The clothes? The host? Yeah, I'm missing out. And the swan? Anybody watch the swan? Really? Tell us about that, Andrew. What, what do you like about it? Yeah, t- tell us about what they do on the swan. Uh, so they take, like, people who are unattractive, yeah. and they take them over outside and inside. Oh. Outside. So on the swan, they do a makeover outside and inside, usually cosmetic surgery, a little uh, tummy tuck, and new clothes. And, and, then, and then on top of that, they do a whole beauty pageant, right? But all the different people that have had the makeover, the swan. You, you want to say something out here? You were saying something, so I want to make sure I miss, don't miss it. Did you watch the swan? What, what do you like about the swan? Just something to do? No, there's, some, there's something about these uh, makeover shows. I know there's all kinds of reality TV and you can see that in, my, in the background of the slide. There's all kinds of reality TV. But there's something about these shows that attract us because there's something that we, if we're honest with ourselves, there's something that we don't like about ourselves that we wish we could change. And these extreme makeovers really make it a vivid uh, illustration of how things can change on the outside and sometimes on the inside as well. And in 60 minutes, you go from the old you to the brand new you. And it's just an awesome, uh, heart-moving, life-changing kind of thing. Well, one, my, one of my favorite Extreme Makeover shows is the Home Edition. Extreme Makeover Home Edition. 
Yeah, and, and you, you have this old house that gets torn down and completely renovated in, what, seven days? And so they do the whole tear down, build out, new furniture, new everything, with the wildest... Um, Yes, it's, it costs lots of money, but it's all sponsor money, so the family doesn't have to pay for anything. Well, they have to pay for property tax because the property goes up. But, so, so they do this entire renovation in seven days, and it's an, it's an awesome show because we get to watch it as a family. So me, my wife, Rochelle, and my little eight-year-old boy, Jeremiah, make it a family ritual on Sunday evening to tune in on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And at the beginning of the show, the, the crew watches the little video that tells the story about a family who's really in dire straits, who's in a difficult situation, uh, whether it's due to disease or damage on the house or financially, things just haven't worked out for them, and they share their story about how they're struggling through life. Now, most of us here have a pretty good lifestyle. Our parents work and provide for us, and we get to focus on school. But for some people in life, uh, hardship hits, whether it's physical or financial or uh, disaster, uh, acts of God, as they call it. And so they're struggling through life, and they share their story with uh, the producers of this show, and they select some of these people to provide an extreme makeover home edition. And one of the warmest greetings that these family, so, so at the beginning of the show, they watch the video of these stories and how uh, they've faced hardship and they just need some help. And they share a dream of what they wish life could be so that they wouldn't have to struggle so hard to make ends meet, so that they can have a decent place to sleep, so that they can become normal people again and work and be a part of society. So at the beginning of the show, they, they watch the video, and the, the crew is crying, and they say, let's go and do it. Let's, let's help these people out. And so the team walks up to the door, and Ty pulls out his bullhorn and says, good morning, Jones family. And the fan comes out, and they're, they're ecstatic. They, they cannot believe that uh, something so wonderful would come to their door and that they will experience an extreme makeover, home edition. And so the, the uh, family comes out and greet Ty and everybody else on the team, and then the crew of two, three hundred people with their hammers and their drill saws, although they, they don't really use that to tear down the house. Usually they bring the cranes, right? And the cranes, and they, they tear down the house, and then they begin making the, making the extreme makeover. The design team lays out the floor plan, the decorators pick all the colors, and then they listen to the story of each family member, and they want to create a room that really ministers to their heart and soul so that they can, again, find life through the hardship that they've experienced and really be blessed and richly enjoy all that life has to offer them. And it's, it's not just a sponsored kind of thing. So it's not just people, the sponsors paying for all the new materials and the new furniture, but it's also very much a community thing. Uh, how many of you know about Amish people? The Amish people. W what can you tell us about Amish people? They don't, they don't use electronics? 
uh, cars. So they, they, they forego a lot of the modern conveniences, and they live fairly simple lives. But one of, the, one of the rituals in that community is what they call barn raisings, where the whole community comes together and, and rebuilds a community center, a barn. And so these, these occasions for extreme makeover home additions is, a, is an opportunity for the community to come together and rebuild these families' lives, not just the physical homes, but to offer emotional support, and they celebrate at the end of the show. So, so as they do the reveal, the family are just overwhelmed with how much thoughtfulness and how much blessing has been provided in this new home. Uh, usually kids get a really fun room with you know, big screen TVs and games. And the, and the community comes out and they're cheering and they're celebrating and they're rejoicing with how much blessing has been poured out to this family. As we look at extreme makeover and invite God to do that on us, one of the first things that we need to do is to have a renovation of our hearts. Just as those army of people had to tear down the house, we had to do some reconstruction and renovation uh, inside of ourselves. So on the next slide is a picture of a floor, floor plan. And so this morning I want to take, take you through and, and take a look at what kind of renovation needs to happen in our life. What kind of floor plan we need to redraw in our lives so that we can experience an extreme makeover from God. We, we begin with sharing a dream, searching our heart to see what, what it is that God has planted in us, uniquely designed in us, and then listen to that voice of God, what, what he would say to us. This morning, I want to take us through some scriptures, uh, take a look at what, what a changed heart looks like and what a changed heart will do. To give you a framework for what we'll be doing in the next two days, in the mornings, we'll spend some time in scripture, time in Bible teaching, and saturate ourselves with God's word. And then in the evenings, we'll uh, look at more stories and share more storytelling time so that we can see what things look like and what the biblical principles look like in our lives. So that's what we'll do uh, in the next couple of days. So before we start, let's open a word of prayer. Let's allow God's word to speak to us this morning, and, and we'll, I'll share some thoughts as I, I reflected on them uh, in preparation for this time. Hey, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have the freedom to worship you. Thank you for all the people who have prayed and prepared and made it possible for us to have this focused time to invite you to change our hearts, to do a renovation, to do an extreme makeover for us so that we can experience all the blessings and all the things that you want to do in and through our lives. So these few days are yours, and I pray that your word and the things that we share here 
uh, during these few days may be meaningful and may provide a new foundation for how we look at life, for how we live, for how we relate, and for how we worship you with all our being. Help us to see what that new creation looks like. And if you may use my words, uh, we pray your spirit would do that. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, many of you have Bibles, and I would like to find uh, a volunteer who can read, read a passage for me. Who's, who's a good reader in, in this group? Okay. Come, come on up. Bring your Bible. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read the entire chapter. And just allow God's word to wash over us and provide a context for our Bible study this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's in the second half of your Bible after 1 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter five. The whole thing? Mm-hmm. Mike's live. Good to go. Okay, we ready? All right, Good there time. we go. Okay, okay we're going to read Second Corinthians chapter five. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind oh, that second, does. Second Corinthians. <laughs> Now, now, I hope those I hope those reports aren't true. It's on film. Okay. It's on film. Okay. Not prophetic. Okay. Second, our second heavenly Canadian dwelling. Part. Our heavenly dwelling. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our own heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our own heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are home in the body, we're always from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you may you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in your heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God 
If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love is, compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Excellent. Thank you. So our focus verse is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So the Spirit of God takes residence in us, in each of you, for those of you that have invited him into your life. And he is beginning that work of extreme makeover in your life. And he promises that he will finish that work. It doesn't take seven days. It doesn't take seven years. It takes your entire lifetime. But it is a promise that God has given to us in the Spirit as a deposit, it tells us in verse 5, that we will become that new creation with a perfect body, one that makes those houses on TV look like shacks, but Jesus goes before us and pre prepares mansions for us, it tells us in the Gospels. So that's the promise that God has given us, that he will do the work of an extreme makeover in our lives. And when, as we realize that, as we understand that, as we live our life with that in mind, it changes our perspective of how we live everyday life. Now, how, how does God begin to do that? Well, in, in the gospel, Jesus uh, gives us a very simple story, and many of you perhaps have sung this song. Uh, I, I didn't grow up in children's church, but I see my son, Jeremiah, going, going to church, and you know, he, he's learned this song. But let's read this passage together from uh, the gospels on the next slide, so if we can read this aloud together. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Matthew 7, 24-27. Now what does this passage tell us? That as God does an extreme makeover, it begins with a foundation. It begins with a foundation, and we, can, we have a choice whether to have that foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ or to have the rock or, or to have the foundation on sand, other things that may shift and change with the times. The rock of Jesus Christ gives us that solid picture of a firm foundation. The passage also tells us that the storms will come. Now, I know most of you are in school, but as, as you grow up, and perhaps even now, you're, you're facing some challenges, some things that are tough in your life. They, they will come. That's, that's part of life. But when you have a solid foundation in Jesus Christ, the rains might come, the storms might come, but you will still have a solid ground to stand on, that, that you will not be shaken, that you will not fall apart that you have a foundation, and God, God will see you to the end, that the Spirit of God uh, that has gi- given you a deposit will create that new creation and that you can hang on. Uh, Jesus will not let you go. Another passage from Ezekiel 36 emphasizes the, the work that God does in our lives, in our hearts, to, to renew us. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The extreme makeover that God does in our lives begins with God. And we respond. We open ourselves and we invite him in. It tells us here, a heart of stone he will replace with a heart of flesh. And he will put a new spirit in you. And so as as we experience this extreme makeover, it's something that God does in us and to us and through us. It happens as we listen to God's word. It happens over the course of time. But it's God's work. It's not something that we try to muster up in our lives. It begins with God. That's the first and most important point. Now, we've talked about heart. We've talked about foundation. We've talked about opening ourselves up. What what is the heart? Uh, Maybe a definition would be helpful to us. The, The heart is the seat of emotions, passions, appetites, as well as the intellectual and moral faculties. It's, it's our conscience. It's, it's the inside of us. It's, it's what makes us tick. Not just physically, biologically, but it's that intangible part of what makes us a human being. It, it's what makes each of us different from each other. It's, it's the heart. Did, did you know that each of our heartbeats 
have a different sound? Any, any doctors in here? No, I'm sorry. Uh, any doctor wannabes in here? Yeah, so as, as you listen to the heartbeat of people, not just because when we exercise and so on, but even when we're at the same pace, there's a different rhythm. Each of us have a different heartbeat, physically, but also uh, emotionally and spiritually, what makes us who we are. Uh, the, another way to say it is the heart is the center of one's moral, spiritual, and intellectual life. It's what makes us who we are. Not just what we look like, but what makes our, uh, how we think about life and the very center of our being. Another way to say it's the executive center. It's how we make our decisions. It's how we decide what we like and what we don't like. It's how we decide on what clothes we wear. It's how we decide what we enjoy eating and how we make decisions. Uh, That is the heart. And, and it is that extreme makeover that God wants to change that heart, change the very core of our being to be responsive to him rather than to be responsive to ourselves or our family upbringing or our peer pressure, but responsive to God. Now, what does that look like? We, we, we read uh, 2 Corinthians 5 together, and I want to summarize it in three Three things that describe what the heart looks like. First, it, it's a heart that is living to please God. We see that in verse 9 of our passage. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due him of the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We make it our goal to please him. So as we have invited God into our lives and we want to follow him, our heart's desire begins to change. Instead of pleasing ourselves, it's to please God. The the promise of a new creation motivates us and energizes us. And to know that one day we will see him and we will answer for what we do. And the things... the Thoughts that we have motivates us and, and stirs our heart to desire to live to please God. Living to please God is what our heart grows and looks like over, over time as we walk with God. Now I want to distinguish what pleasing God looks like uh, from, from what it doesn't look like. On the next slide, living to please God is not perfection. Living to please God is not moral behavior, just being good. Living to please God is not head knowledge. Living to please God is not a t- church attendance. One, one of the sayings I hope you go away with uh, this weekend is, is this, that the good is the enemy of the best. The good is the enemy of the best. Can you say that with me? The good is the enemy of the best. As our heart is motivated and stirred and desires to please God, it's not just doing good things. It's more than that, but don't settle for the good. 
It's not good enough to just be a good little obedient one. God desires to do more in and through our lives. The enemy, good is the enemy of the best, is to say that God doesn't want you to just be good. God wants you to be alive. Living with the entire passion and desire that you have, that God has given you, and as you would have that goal to please God. Pleasing God, not just to check off a list of the good things to do, but pleasing God with everything that you have. We, we've experienced wonderful worship here uh, the past few, few, few days. The worship teams have practiced, they've prayed, and they offer their best to God. Offering your best, whether, whatever it is that you can do. Whether it's in the technical field, whether it's in hospitality, whether it's in writing, however you can express your gift, that's what is pleasing to God beyond just being a good kid. Now, how do we move from selling for good and going for the best? It begins with a change of heart, and that heart changes as we would feed it new thoughts. Two verses from other parts of the scripture. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. And from Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's, a, there's an intricate connection between our mind in our heart. And so the things that we feed our mind, the TV shows we watch, the books we read, the conversations we have around with people, shape our mind and shape our heart. So we've, we've, we've looked at how the extreme makeover begins with God, and he does that spiritual work and, and begins to renew our heart, and then we have our part to play with changing the things that we put into our head. And that connection between the head and the heart is what, what keeps that process going, the renovation of the heart. Now, borrowing some of these ideas from a book by Dallas Willard, who's a professor at University of Southern California, and he has made some keen observations about how the heart can change through the thought processes that we have. Next slide. So the renovation of the heart happens through these four things. It happens through ideas, images, information, and thinking. And I found this helpful just to give me some categories of how our, how our mind can change by getting good input. Uh, how's that saying go? Garbage in, garbage out? It's an engineering term. Okay. <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. So, but if you put good stuff in, you'll get good stuff out. And th these are the things you want to feed your mind with. Good ideas, good images, images of things we see, as well as the things we imagine, good information, 
whether it's the Word of God or Christian books, Christian radio, and good thinking. That as we collect ideas and images and information that are thinking in terms of connecting the dots and making inferences and deductions and applying our logic, our, our mind is a wonderful instrument that God has created to process a lot of information. Now, in school, a lot of what you're doing in school is memorizing and regurgitating. But I think in, in the junior high and high school years, you're beginning to learn how to take some of those things that you're learning and, and rearrange them and seeing connections between biology and chemistry and algebra and physics and even English, that they're all interconnected as a part of God's wonderful creation. And as we work on these ideas and images and information, occasionally we have these aha moments that God brings us new insight that changes our hearts. Now, in a bigger sense, renovation of the heart happens through our thoughts. That's what the previous slide was talking about, our thought life. It also happens through relationships. So during our free time, during our cabin times, during our conversations, in our relationships with one another here in this youth group, in our relationships within our church context, in our relationships within our community and our neighborhood, God surfaces and, and God moves and speaks through those contexts. And thirdly, just through life experience. Life experience as we experience each and every day of our life that we can begin to hear what, what it is that God is doing in our head and in our heart to help change us to be more like Christ. Next slide. So living to please God looks like this. Living by faith. Seeking after righteousness and justice. Doing good works having vibrant relationships, living to please God, making that our goal and our desire because of the promise of new creation. Secondly, living to please God is to persuade people. Verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. So as we, as we have invited God into our lives to, to do an extreme makeover on, on us, uh, at the very core of our being, in our hearts, and as we feed ourselves with the good things of God's creation from his word and also from what he's created and we're learning in school, then we want, want to share that with people. We want to persuade people that this is the good life. This is the, uh, the best way to live. That we can look out in the world and the whole crea creation and the creator behind the creation, that all of the universe is for us to enjoy, that we can receive it rather than trying to pursue the things of this world. And we persuade people with the life that we live, knowing 
knowing that we have a new creation that God's promised us. We have all spiritual blessings. And we have a better way to live. We don't live from day to day, but we live with heaven in mind. And that's the promise. That's what we persuade people with. And thirdly, we live to be reconciled. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, reconciliation is a pretty big word. Uh, some of you are studying for SATs, or will be studying for SATs. Now, I'm not sure it's, it's in that SAT dictionary anymore, but it's one of those big 20-letter words which, which has a, a pretty simple meaning. It, it's enemies becoming friends. Enemies becoming friends. That before we were reconciled to God, that we were enemies of God, that we had offended God at at the very foundation of our being, but we invite God into our lives, we become friends of God. As, as you listen to stories of some of your classmates or uh, neighbors and what they're after in life, sometimes it, it looks like just having fun and trying to get through school. But once in a while you have those conversations where you realize, well, what, what's life all about? And you wonder, does, does God really care? You know, is God mad at me? Does, does God accept me? And, and the promise of this passage, the promise of the scripture is that we have been reconciled. That God is no longer mad at us. That God accepts us. That God, what, when we were enemies, we have become friends because of God's work in Jesus Christ. And, and we, have, we have and we can experience this reconciliation. We can be at peace with God. And that's an incredible promise that we can be at peace. We, we no longer have to fight. We no longer have to doubt. We no longer have to second-guess ourselves. And we just receive. Receive the reconciliation of God, the peace of God. And so, as we have a renovation of heart, we seek to please God, we persuade people, and and we reconcile ourselves to God and to one another. We we can experience friendship with God and friendship with one another. That's, that's, That's the new life that we can experience, the new creation. Uh, next slide. Okay, we're going to skip the next slide. Back, back to the sheep. John 10:27 has has a profound uh, saying as Jesus talked about how he is the great shepherd and we are his sheep. And one of the things I hope to unpack for you in the next couple of messages is how we can listen to his voice. 
My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 10, 27. Jesus is a great shepherd. If we've invited him into our lives and asked him to do that extreme makeover, we, we, we want to learn how to listen to him. We want to learn how to be led by him. And that happens as we feed ourselves with new thoughts and new ideas, those that come from his word, those that come from his creation, those that come from his community, others who are also pursuing after him. And God did a tremendous work at the cross that when Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived and died the death we should have died, he paid the price for us, he also reached perfection so that we can be free to live in the grace of God. We can be free to pursue the dreams that God has placed in us, to use our talents, to offer our best, and not only settle for the good. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. Not your parents. Not your own selfish pursuits. But this pursuit of pleasing God. Because one day we will see him. One day we will be brand new. One day we can stand before him and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's close on a word of prayer. Hi, Father, thank you for these moments. Thank you for your word. Thank you for doing the work of a change and a renovation in our hearts. Help us to see how we can live a life that would be pleasing to you, how we can be persuasive, how we can be reconciled. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you for your Spirit's work. And I pray that you you would help us to see what it is that you are calling us to do, to listen to your voice and to be responsive in pursuing the best. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.